Christ is born. Christ is born. Christ is born for you. friends, welcome to morning prayer and devotion during the season of Advent with the Kingstown Communion. Um, we're going to be doing this weekly uh, and we are using a devotional guide. Um, I have it printed here. Um, it's um, how does a weary world rejoice? Um, centered around this question that is rooted in the song that we all know this time of year, Oh Holy Night. Um, there's this line in it that we sing every single year, a weary world rejoices, but in the midst of our weariness, in the midst of where we are in this world right now and all that's going on, how do we do that? That's the question. How do we do that? And we're going to be kind of centering ourselves in the first few chapters of Luke, um, and which is a unique uh, take on the story of Jesus. Uh, we will be hearing these scriptures on Sunday morning, but we also are going to be reminded of them during the week as well. So um, I'm going to remind you today of what you heard on Sunday morning, maybe if you attended worship with us or watched worship online. Um, it is good for us um, to hear these verses over and over again, for us to digest them um, and for us to make them our prayers. Um, not just something, not just some intellectual assent, right? Not just something that we um, we hear and we intellectually engage with God, but something that um, that digs at our heart and brings us to a posture of confession and changes us throughout the season of Advent. Um, I'm going to be using this devotional also um, today um, to kind of guide us um, in a couple of ways, but um, I want to lead us into prayer first, and then we'll we'll move into reading our scriptures today and seeing what we can find, what God can uniquely um, teach us and offer us today. Um, five days after maybe having read them in, in worship or heard them preached in a sermon, um, how is God speaking to you still? That's the question. Um, and, and how are you finding ways um, to rejoice in your weariness this season? So let's pray. Oh Lord, our souls rise up to meet you today as the day rises to meet the sun. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forevermore. God, we are weary, but our souls choose to rejoice. But today, God, we begin by acknowledging our weariness. We feel it in our bodies. We acknowledge it in our necks and in our lower back. We acknowledge it in the, the crease in our, in, our, in our brow, all the things that we are holding, all the things that we are worried about. All of our weariness, we bring it to you today, God.
God, we know you are with us and that you restore us. We know that you're with us in connection and that you want to amaze us, God, with your presence in our lives. But often we cannot see, God. It's so easy to become blind by our own weariness. It's so easy, God, to not be able to rejoice, to not see past what that cloud of, of, of worry and, and, and tired and, and overwhelmed that just kind of overshadows any ability to find joy, especially this season, God. We are weary, God. Um, we are weary bodies that ache, weary bodies that cry out to you today, God. Forgive us for pushing ourselves Forgive us for pushing ourselves too hard. Remind us that we that we deserve Sabbath rest in our lives and teach us how to do that. We we pray for these weary minds that we have that feel overwhelmed and saturated with bad news. Forgive us for for creating so many distractions and remind us that in the quiet in the quiet places like this morning is where we hear you. We have, we have weary hearts too, God. Weary, broken hearts that long to feel the joy of this season. And so forgive us for, for being impatient with ourselves and remind us, God, that healing takes time and that, and that joy and grief can coexist in this space here. And our faith, God, is also weary. God, we get... <laughs> we are so tired that our, our faith can, can start to, to feel like it's adding into our weariness as we struggle to hold on to hope, some sense of who you are. And so forgive us, God, and remind us, remind us of the faith of, of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Um, remind us that your, that your good news knows no bounds for us. And that rejoicing can hold within it both deep belief and also doubt. God, you are big enough to hold that. And so we put our faith in you. God, you will carry us through. In our in our weariness, you will be the one who guides us in rejoicing. It, it, it's your joy, God, this mystery beyond what we can possibly do, what we can possibly conjure up on our own that sustains us. And this kind of joy we know, we experience. When we have given our weariness to you,
And so loosen our shoulders, untighten our breaths this morning so that we can breathe freely, God, and so that we can feel the release that comes from you. Give us your peace, God. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's read our first scripture for today. This was this is the story at the very beginning of Luke. Um, it's the story we often look over. Um, but it's the story of Zechariah, and so let's see what, what new good news we can find in this story. We're in Luke 1, 1 through 23. <laughs> Since many have undertaken to set down an orderly account of the events that have fulfilled among us, just as they were handed on to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the, of the word, I too decided, after in um, investigating everything carefully from the first to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the truth concerning the things about which you have been instructed. This is an intro from Luke. And now we get into the story. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah, his wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once, when he was serving as priest before God, and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. And then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord. Then there appeared an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. And you will have joy, and you will have gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink, even before his birth. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know that this is so? For, for I'm an old man and my wife is getting on in years. And the angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand 
in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. And when he did not come out, he could not speak to them. And when he did come out, he could not speak to them. And they realized that, that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. This is the word of God for us, the people of God today. Thanks be to God. I wonder what you heard in this passage. What stuck out to you? Maybe that hadn't stuck out to you before. I think two things kind of linger with me this morning. Um, this question. I want the gosh, this question that I think we all ask, right? God, um, and this angel delivers this message from God, right? That, that because of Zechariah, um, there will be this, that he will give birth to a son and that, um, that the son will be this amazing messenger that will bring forth the Lord, right? And Zechariah's question to the angel is, how will I know that this is so? How will I know that this is so, God? There's something about faith that pulls us into believing in God's promises for us. And that's what the whole point of reading scripture, right? Reading scripture and and being a part of of a faith community is being reminded of the promises of God, how God has acted in the past so that we can make sense of how God is acting in our lives right now, right? To be reminded of, of, of other people who have been weary, who God has guided to a place of rejoicing. And what a question this is, this question, I think it's a question of deep faith. And a question we all ask, how, but God, how will it be so? How will I even know? How will I know that I've experienced your promises fulfilled in my life? How will I know that that's your hand acting in my life? How will I know your presence when it's, when it is real right in front of me? Um, how, how, what will it, what will it look like? How will I feel? How will I know God when this is? is the right next step for me. How, how will I know that this is so? I wonder if you're asking that question today. I think it's a question not of doubt, it's a question of faith. I think if you're asking that question, you're, um, you're pretty darn close to the heart of God. You're asking the right question. It's in that question that God's promises will be made um, more real than assuming 
than the assumption that many have that that they already have God, that they already know God's promises, that they that God's presence is so evident because it's not really it's not that's not the, the our real experience of God, right? Our very real experience of God is in that question, how will I know it so? It's a question of deep faith. The other thing that I notice, I think, in this passage is um, how it's not just Zechariah who is mute. We talked on Sunday about how maybe this is not a punishment for Zechariah, his muteness, but rather this invitation into Sabbath, this invitation to pause in the midst of this season, in the midst of his weariness, to pause, to acknowledge his weariness so that God can, 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 can show him how to rejoice. But it's not just Zechariah who's mute here. The angel, obviously, it's very, it's explicit, but he walks out of, of this, of this sanctuary and no one says a word to him. None of the crowd does. They they wonder at his delay. Why is he taking so long to leave the sanctuary? And then they find out that he's had a vision of some kind, is some apparition. You know, they don't know what happened there. We know that the angel Gabriel appeared, but um, but they don't know. They don't know what it is. But no one asks him a question. No one no one says anything to Zechariah. Zechariah's weariness and is weary and, and his weariness deserves some attention, some some community support, some uh, and no one else has the bandwidth to say anything, to respond. This man has now has just been he's been given this silence that he doesn't know how long the silence will last he's he doesn't know how it will be so he's been given this silence and no one says anything to him no one addresses his weariness i think that's so real right so real to live in community and to feel like everyone else around you is just so weary too that no one has any bandwidth to acknowledge the weariness of anyone else around them. And so we say nothing. We say nothing. We are we fall mute ourselves and one person's weariness begets another person's weariness and we don't we don't allow these op- opportunities <laughs> to be things that prod us brought us towards God's joy and community. I want to read for us before we um, we close today, and I, I want to also sing this hymn. You might have noticed in your in your devotional that I want that to kind of end our time today. But before before we we do that, let's um, let's read the Psalm passage um, because the, the Psalm is like a prayer today. This is Psalm eighty, um, Psalm eighty one through seven, and then seventeen through nineteen. It's this prayer. To ask God to restore us. 
for for God for this weariness um, to not be all we experience this Advent, right? God, give ear, O Shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us, God. Restore us, O God, let your face shine on us that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed us with the bread of tears and given us tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors, our enemies laugh among themselves. And so restore us, O God. Restore us, O God of hosts, let your face shine, that we may be saved. Let your hand be upon the one at your right hand. May we be that one at your right hand, God. The one, one who, who you made strong for yourself. And then we will never turn back from you. Give us life that we will call on your name. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. We don't just pray, God, for, for the weariness we experience ourselves, but we also pray, God, for the weariness throughout our world. And allow this, um, this version of Silent Night to be our prayer for the world today. You can find it in your devotion if you want on page four. There's sheet music, but um, you know this song. It's just a different set of words. Weary world, God's own vine. Tears are only bread and wine. Crying out to be restored, desperate for a break from war. Weary world, rejoice! Weary world, rejoice! Weary world, broken and bruised, name of God, so misused. Can we see the light of Christ glowing in each person we spite? Weary world, rejoice. Weary world, rejoice. Weary world, out of hope. Disbelief is how we cope. 
we've left faith to rot and rust. Dreams are covered in layers of dust. Weary world rejoice. Weary world rejoice. Weary world waiting still. Holding our breath until Christ returns in truth and grace. Will we recognize his face? Weary world rejoice. Weary world rejoice. I'm going to sing that first verse one more time. Weary world, God's own vine, tears are only bread and wine, crying out to be restored, desperate for a break from war. Weary world, rejoice, weary world, rejoice. I want to end us today with a little bit of hope. Um, this was um, a prayer at the beginning of this of the year devotional. And so if you want to turn to the very beginning, um, there's this beautiful prayer at the beginning. It's the last time I saw God. That's what the psalmist prays for, right? The psalmist prays to see the face of God. The last time I saw God face to face, I was looking at a bed of tulips. God was every color of red. I was merely mortal in awe of it all. The time before that, we were tying back the curtains looking for stars. God was the deepest purple and the brightest light. The time before that, the city was soft with snow. God was the quiet that tucked us all in. And in between these small gifts, there were newborn babies and sapling trees and homemade bread and the sound of a church singing on Sunday. And so yes, we are lucky we are more than lucky for the moments when delight and awe unzip the weight we carry around. That's what I pray for you today. Go now in the peace and love of God to experience those moments when delight and awe unzip the weight that we all carry around.
can come, taste of his power.